Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockade Runner focused on The Force Awakens. We said last time we recorded that uh, even though we did over two plus hours of discussion on the movie, there was still a lot left to say, so we're back to say some more. And uh, with me tonight is Dan. Hello. And Kevin. Hi. And this is John speaking. And first time on the Blockade Runner audio podcast, though he recently featured in our second video show, is Chris. Hey, Chris. How you doing, John? Doing very well. We are excited to have you here and to talk more about The Force Awakens. So, uh, yeah, we don't really have a format for tonight. We're just gonna we're just gonna talk about it and have some fun and hopefully have some interesting things to say. So, uh, Chris, why don't you start us out and tell us what you thought about The Force Awakens? Anything? Mm, the Force Awakens. Uh, I love the movie. Mm. I I love the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you were you were like a little bit. Not cynical, but you were like a little bit. I was very cynical, and the very beginning it was announced. Yeah, uh, and it grew on me. I don't know, just through the months, and then actually, I just to say my first experience was, you know, when I saw it, uh, two uh, Saturday the twentieth. Yeah. Um, was that I was just so busy and caught up, I did not even look at Star Wars. I didn't know anything about this movie. I didn't have time to look at this movie or hear anything about this movie, and I. You know, I did that on purpose, but also just because I didn't have time because I was working. But when I woke up, I saw it on 10 a.m. and I woke up and I saw it and I was in the theater. And after the previews were done and the and Lucasfilm logo showed up, you know, I was like, I looked over and I said, I'm not ready for this. I wasn't ready for this because I wasn't my usual Star Wars nerded out, you know, looking into everything, which I you know mm-hmm. I usually do. And I want to know everything about it, but I wasn't. And then I was like, it was basically like I got off work and I went to start see Star Wars and I wasn't in my Star Wars mind, but that gave me that gave me a new perspective, and I was in, and I just was like watching it, obviously for the first time, but almost as like watching Star Wars for the first time. I was just like excited about every little thing about uh, they had in there, you know, Finn and Ray and all their jokes, and uh, I loved it. Yeah, that sounds like a better experience than most of us had because I think like I was so intensely anticipating, and I talked about this on the last episode that when I watched it for the first time, I couldn't really watch it like a normal human being. I was watching it like, oh, hopefully this doesn't let me down. Hopefully this is as good as I thought it would be. Like, do I really like that line? Do I like this moment? And then it wasn't until the second time that I could relax and really watch it. But Yeah, that's like I watched all the prequels like that. Like I watched all the prequels like oh, I knew everything about it. Or I watched it, I guess, more having more expectations because I was more involved in it uh, when they're being made and all, and I was lead re- up, yeah, yeah, and I was reading every Star Wars Insider. I was reading, you know, everything that could be about it. But this time, I like I was like I was, you know, um, I didn't like the idea of Disney making it, but then it kind of grew on me. I'm like, okay, okay, the trailer looked great. That got me excited, and I was like, okay, Abrams, all right, cool. And then, but since I didn't have any time to like really just focus on it before, like I even saw it. I think that was probably the more purest I've ever watched Star Wars and it was awesome. Yeah. And I mean you were you were following it pretty closely for a while though cuz you were at Star Wars Celebration with us and so I mean you knew quite a bit. I guess there hadn't been much revealed but I mean you were following it and stuff but maybe like from summer on you kind of were busy and and then not as closely into it, right? Yeah, but even what Star Wars Celebration didn't reveal anything and it Yeah, not much. There was nothing I don't think there was much actually that they, I mean, they didn't really do, they did a good job of 
keeping everything under wraps. Yeah, and it was so early. But that that being said, like, come on, we were back in that hotel room watching that trailer about thirty times in a row, freeze framing, taking screenshots, trying to like, you know, make as many kind of observations and stuff as we could. So I feel like at that point, like you were right there with us, like really closely looking at every little frame and, you know, and (laughs) yeah, but that was what, six, seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, I mean, I did look at every frame, but at the same time, you know, my life, I just got, then you got busy and then you weren't able to like obsess about it. Yeah. And then I didn't get to obsess about it until, I mean, I obsessed about it when tickets went on sale, which is what they announced it like secretly sort of. And then, yeah, and then I was like, oh, crap. And I was like October, struggling to find tickets. And then tickets in uh, Los Angeles were like, by the time I got on the Internet, you know, the first day was, you know, it wasn't sold out. There were seats here and there, but like, you know, crap seats. So I was like, whatever. Yeah. So, and then I had to work on both those days till Saturday. So anyway, yeah, I was wasn't what, into what, it. What, what, what was that like? What was like the, the two days like from Thursday night to Saturday morning? What was that like? Because I can't. Yeah, especially for the guy who, you know, organized several Star, Star Wars, Wars Trivial Pursuit yeah. tournaments. I was, was worried about you, Stephen. Yeah. I was really worried that you were going to find out a spoiler <laughs> or that you just wouldn't make it. I had a, co- I had a co-worker who uh, he took off. He was my... He was my kind of like main guy. He works with me, and he like, oh, sorry, dude, I got my brother bought tickets, and I got to take off. And I feel really bad because, man, you're you're a bigger Star Wars guy than I am, and man, you're not taking off. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I was like, just come to work the next day. Don't say anything, you know. And then he did come to work, and I just was like, giving the evil eye. I was like, just shh, don't say anything, <laughs> you know. And, and then he could, he'd just be like, you know, he wanted to talk about it. Yeah, but he would just be like, mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm, no, no, yeah, it was great, it was great. I'm like, good. That's like I gotta say, I don't want to hear anything else. Well, and you work in the film industry in L.A. Like, oh, whatever. Okay, you, yeah, you do. And so, like, was, certainly more so than us, rock Fordians. Yeah, do, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, like, uh, on set that day was like, like a bunch of people that already seen it, or was it just that guy? No, surprisingly, it was, it was that guy and like, uh, like a. I don't know some PA that kind of went at two in the morning because they were showing it every hour on the hour. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. What every day? Now. It just seems like that'd be a tough town to like operate in for a day and a half, wanting to avoid you know knowing anything and stuff like that. But agreed. But it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And then when it came around to be Saturday, ten a.m., it was I wasn't ready for it, but I was ready for it in a childish, virgin way that I've never been for Star Wars, which was you know was awesome it was i mean i was excited for episode one episode two episode three but episode seven the way i the way i i don't know i don't know what it was maybe maybe i'm thinking about it just because it's fresh off the movie but i felt really like giddy and like i absorbed everything and i was jumping out of my seat i was like you know saying out loud like oh that's awesome or oh man you know just a lot of things that i don't think i did I mean, episode well, I three was good. But I mean, I did that for episode three a lot, but not as much, I guess. I, I think you kind of mentioned it earlier. You know, with episodes one, two, and three, we all really were into everything about it, and the lips were a lot looser on those. I mean, the soundtrack had spoilers on it. You could pretty much go on the internet and find anything. The novelizations were out. Yeah, the novelizations were out a month before the movie. You know, they they really had it on lockdown, and I, there were a couple of sites that ended up pe- being pretty accurate on what the Force Awakens was going to be like. But for the most part, because I'm somebody who's not really 
averse to spoilers, but I this time around, I kind of intentionally didn't want to know as much as I knew about the prequels, and it was harder to find. I had read about one site in particular that... Uh, you know, seemed to have a lot of stuff, and I kind of avoided that one because my heart of making hearts making Star Wars, yeah, making yeah. Star Wars. come, my heart of hearts this time around didn't really want to know all of that detail like I yeah. did the first time. They had a really, they had a really close synopsis of the movie in like April or May, which I didn't read then, but um, they reposted or somebody posted a link to it like now after the movie came out, and I went back and read it, and I mean it was very detailed and almost yeah, it was pretty much storyboarded out. Yeah, yeah, it was. So you could have known. There were there were tidbits. There were tidbits coming out a couple of years ago that were very accurate. I remember reading a long time ago that the that the protagonist female character's name was going to be Kira, and when we finally heard it was Ray, I was like, "Ah, see, that wasn't right." But then I get the art book and I find out, oh, actually, it was Kira for a really long time. So, yeah, there were little things. Is there were a lot of things that were wrong that we heard, but much of of what we heard was right. And I was kind of impressed with the community of fans in general as well, because, yeah, we all went and saw it at the first showing. But honestly, I still haven't seen many people just saying, oh, Han gets killed, you know, or or (laughs) like weird things like that. Like people seem to really be kind of keeping wraps on it and not being, you know, jerks about it. Except that guy that got beat up. Well, literally. And some guy got beat up for saying Han is dead when he came out of the theater. And it's like on video too, isn't it? The guy getting beat I, up. I, I think so. I, I, I read I read a little bit about it, but I I, I don't know that I would would have gone to physical like violence. Like I but man, I would have been pretty angry. Well, I, I remember walking out of the, the the we're switching topics abruptly here, but this is a casual conversation, right? Uh, I remember walking out of our original viewing, and there was a huge line of people that were coming to see the ten o'clock show, and we were getting out of the seven. And a guy that I know very well was right in the front of the line. I remember looking at him, and I. I was just in a daze from the movie, and I, I it must have been really hard for those people to watch a, a group of people who had already seen the movie come out. And I mean, it, the odds that somebody would ruin it, would spoil it, would say something were, were, were pretty high. I don't think I would have been able to handle that 10 o'clock showing. Chris, Chris, you said a couple minutes ago like you were, you know, in the in the, in the theater, kind of shouting and hollering, and you know exclaiming oh, like yes uh, and you know all that kind of stuff yeah which i was too but I, and you said you know no, like i yeah i don't know what well go, i thought i think well because you know and you said you don't remember doing that as much with the prequels uh, you think part of that is because this movie is more effortlessly fun than the prequels like there's just a lot of fun moments there's a lot of moments well, that make you want to react that way in this movie abso- absolutely but yeah no, absolutely, but I think also my expectations. I didn't have expectations. Yeah. So when they had, I didn't know Finn, Poe, uh, uh, Ray. I didn't know them at all. Like they're, I didn't even like barely knew their names. I knew the faces. Like they're okay. They're going to be in the movie, but who they are, what they're going to do. I mean, is uh, yeah. I was in there with no expectations. I think in episode one, I had no expectations. But you kind of had a framework in mind. You knew it was going to be about Anakin. You knew uh, Obi-Wan was going to be in there. Episode somewhere. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. You had like a framework of what to expect, whereas this one... And I, but really the thing is, I think episode one, I had more... I think that's the difference, maybe, is episode one or two... Or, well, three. It was awesome. So, But episode one, it's like, okay, I, I have this preset of what episode one should be in my mind, which I think everybody had a very... Everybody had their own idea of what episode one should maybe be like what is the story of you know Anakin they had a like maybe 
position. But then again, like they're open to, well, what is George Lucas going to do? And whatever he did, he did. But I think everybody was just anticipating, like almost waiting for, okay, when is the Darth Vader going to come happen in this movie? Or when is this going to happen? And I think episode seven for me and maybe just in general, but it's just like, you don't, you don't know. It's like, it was never like talked about as far as, Oh, well after Luke, uh, you know, saves his father, Anakin, then no, yeah, this is supposed to happen. It's like, it's just like a total new, you know, frontier that they're going on. And, uh, and the, these characters are great and they did well. I don't know. Well, clearly the, the build up to episode seven was different for you from the prequels. Uh, the fact that you were watching episode seven in LA away from your hometown uh, with, with all the friends that you watched the prequels with, what, what was that experience like in relation to your, your viewing of the prequels, which you, you watched with all your friends in a time period of your life where we were all spending a lot of time together preparing for the movie. What was, what was it different? What was different about it when you're sitting there to watch the movie? Uh, He's trying to get you to say it wasn't nearly as good as watching it with us, and it was like, you know. no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just curious because I, I, I'm thinking about. I have this image in my head of you, and 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 John holding hands and, and crying during <laughs> during the, 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 the ending of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, well, exactly. And I mean, we, when we were at Celebration, the plan was, all right, we're all going to be together for this. You know, and adult life happens and it doesn't it doesn't work out. But that's true. I I did not not plan on not being home. Yeah, but uh, uh, that's just the way it is. And uh, I don't know the experience. It was. Uh, I would have loved to be there, especially with Adam Euchre being there. But with being with everybody, mm-hmm. guaranteed. But I I don't know. I I can't take back the experience I did have when it was just my wife and my uh, BCD. BCD. Uh, it was. You know, it could have. It would have probably been the same. But then again, I don't know. The movie, the movie kind of takes over when you're watching it, and you didn't really think about it. Yeah, you know what? I think it definitely would have been a different experience because I think, uh, especially from the videos and photos you show, you you sh- you know, I've yeah. seen from you guys on the opening, basically opening night. I didn't see it on opening night. Mm-hmm. Opening night was different, different crowd, different p- expectations. People are just like Star Wars are crazy. Lots of reactions. I mean, there were, there were reactions. Which I was the thing is, I was reactive during the movie, and I think I was the only one reactive during the movie in the theater. Which was like, I didn't give a crap, but I was like cheering and like, mm. oh my God, oh my God. You know, I was like looking over to, you know, I go or BCD and being like, oh my God, this, this is great. And I was like, oh man, look at the fat TIE fighter pilot or X-Wing pilot, you know? Yeah. The, I was excited about that. <laughs> and it was just the little things that excited me. I'm like, oh, cool. You know? Yeah. But the reactions are sort of a double-edged sword too, because I felt like while we were watching it, there were some points where I was missing dialogue because mm. of because of how loud and energetic the reactions were. Uh, specifically, I remember when when Kylo Ren, uh, full disclosure, totally spoiler podcast. By the way, in case you didn't know that already, <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, but when Kylo Ren thanks Han after killing him, I didn't hear him say thank you. I I, I had to confirm with somebody that we were with. Did he say thank you? I thought he said thank you. I couldn't quite hear it because of because of a lot of the noise that was going on. So. I mean, it, it really changes. It, it it sort of adds a lot of enthusiasm, makes everything more exciting. But it also, I mean, you're bound to miss stuff when there's that much energy. For well, sure. And I mean, that's why I, when I bought tickets initially, I bought tickets that night and then I bought it the next day because I wanted to go see it. I mean, the next day was still kind of reactionary, but it wasn't as loud as those first showings. 
And I, I don't know if it's just I, me not remembering it as well, but in the prequels, it seemed to be more rowdy than it was even at the beginning showing for Force Awakens. Really? You think so? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 to, to, that's kind of the way I remember it. But yeah. like I said, it's it's been, what, 10 plus years, 15 years for, you know, Phantom Menace. So. Yeah, I don't know. I thought the Force Awakens was rowdy in all the right ways. You know, people were clapping and cheering and like, you know, certain characters would show up on screen and you'd hear the you'd hear an audible, you know, like kind of just exhalation of joy from people. But I, I don't for, know. I, for what? The prequels? No, for Force Awakens. Oh, Force Awakens. Probably prequels, too. I don't really remember, to be honest, you know, like. I remember people annoying the crap out of me during the trailers before the movie to certain things. And, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I don't remember anybody. Kung Fu Panda <laughs> trailer was cracking people uh, up. If you people. laughed at Kung Fu Panda, I'm judging you big time because it was so <laughs> annoying. Um, well, I don't know. Well, and there was a guy during the movie who was saying things like, dang, the whole time. See, I didn't notice that. I didn't <laughs> Wait, you're saying uh, he was audibly. Was he it in you're saying ear? a young Boba Fett like, from Attack of the Clones was there? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he was audibly reacting to pretty much everything. He wasn't directly next to me. He was two people away from me. But but w- when you start thinking about how much the guy two people away from you should be quiet, are you talking and not about the Jake? movie? It's a little distracting. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not talking about Jake. He knows better. <clears throat> but uh, it, it gets a little annoying. And then I went and saw it maybe three days later and that was my second viewing and the crowd was almost I don't want to say silent because there was definitely more reaction than a normal movie but like what kind of 90% reaction? less reaction what kind of reaction like Do, reaction like oh or, eh, or like cheering cheer, you know yeah. cheering at every clapping. little inside joke clapping uh, yelling gasping a lot of gasping during some of the big reveal moments oh, or that's fun. I like That's fun. I, I like the gasps because it, yeah. you know, it doesn't really interrupt the movie, but it makes you, it really kind of accentuates some of the emotion, some of the feeling, and some of the surprise that's happening. You know, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I was reactionary, and I was like blindly, not blind. I don't know how to explain it, but like I was in my own world of reactionary. I was like, I'm all in it. I'm. I felt like when I was watching it, I was like in my own home watching it and I was saying whatever I wanted I wasn't like obnoxious but like I was more free I, that's the movie though that brought out the, the movie brought that out in me I'm not usually like like usually I'm just like, <laughs> but I was like excited I was pumped you know and uh, <laughs> but I get it when like if you're on like the first day premiere and then people are just like over the top I don't know clapping when Han Solo's on set or you know it's like oh yeah it's like okay well let's okay. It, it, well, it's hard not to react though I mean there there are some moments of that right. movie obviously the big moment the the Han death scene I, it, I I wasn't loud I wasn't I wasn't yelling but I I was I think I was shaking no exactly I was gonna bring that up because like I, I'm anticipating or I'm imagining that how you were like your your reactions being a little more quiet and like more private or whatever but still having those reactions I feel like that's how I was in the Han scene because in the whole two minutes leading up to that, like as soon as Han was like, Chewie, you go this way, I'm going that way. I was like, oh no. And I was like kind of saying it to myself quietly and I was doing this thing where I was kind of like slapping my leg a little bit because I was like, I wasn't shaking, but like there, I had too much, nervous, yeah. too much, yeah, anticipation, nervousness, energy that I, I could not sit still because, and I was like grabbing my wife's arm and I was kind of cursing under my breath and I was just like, God, no, you know, don't do it, don't, and I just knew it was going to happen, 
Um, but that, like, I, I guess I'm hopefully like <laughs> I have enough like social awareness to realize like I can't just start shouting no, don't do it like in the theater. But no, but I, I don't. I, do, I don't. Other moments I don't disagree. Character... I don't disagree with that kind of though. I don't even disagree with that. You say don't. Well, do it, I, right? I just knew. I just knew like it just didn't feel right to be too vocal. It felt like something you should keep to yourself. Whereas like when somebody makes a great joke and you laugh like super loudly or you even clap, you feel like that's not going to take away from the mo- you just have to know. And I think our audience that w- that I was with for the most part did unless, you know, I don't know this guy that was down a couple rows near you, Kevin, I didn't hear him saying <laughs> gang Tom Weiss here, you know, I didn't hear any of that, but like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> dang, no, see, I, I've had experiences in movies. <laughs> Oh, it's he says dad Tom we here right dad yeah but Tom we's here Tom we's here right but earlier you said dang in the <laughs> dang <laughs> fire <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I've had experiences in movies before where the reactions made me oh, yeah, angry little. it's normally during for some reason during Pixar movies I get really annoyed when people react and laugh at jokes that I think aren't really intended to be this like laugh out loud hearty reaction i know this is really mean because people can react however they want to to movies if if, you know if they're being respectful but i mean there i i remember you know 10 12 years ago whenever it was that finding nemo came out i went and saw that in the theater and and i like pixar movies i'm not i'm not against those movies i I like them and i like that movie too i remember that people were just giggling and laughing out loud at every and really loud at every little joke that was like a half joke like specifically something dumb like men always ask for directions and like everybody in the theater is just like cracking (laughs) that's not clever that's not something that to me should make you laugh out loud but during something like the force awakens i have i mean there are reactions that you can't control well there was a guy like that do you guys remember the guy that's this morning that was like down in the front right corner and every once in a while he would just like shout a word like oh no or like just like he would be he was really ridiculous. oh those people should you stay home no, wait a minute no way I, I didn't notice that guy but I think I probably was that guy the first time I saw it I was like oh no oh no oh. yeah but wasn't everybody doing that that's what I'm saying like no, everybody actually, was doing no, that at our the theater second, I, the, I felt like I was the only one doing it okay like BCD yeah. was like he was like you know into it but I was the only one that was like like almost knee-jerk reaction to anything that happened, and I had no qualms about it because yeah. I don't think you should. Because if you're passionate, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm all for. It. I I it made me really happy to be there opening night. Let's not turn this negative that I, the the reaction. No, I'm saying I, I was super happy. Your reactions were wrong. We're good. <laughs> I was super happy Thanks, that man. night. I was super happy that night when people were cheering and doing all that stuff I all just, I was saying is that I'm I was credit reactionary to my, I'm that just, I wouldn't have been, that I felt that I, it was like a I bet you did it in all the right times so that's what I'm saying like I give credit to like the audience well, that I was with that night we don't need to night. talk about social yeah. well the audience I was with that night like it was fun it made it more enjoyable to experience that movie for the first time because everybody you felt like you were part of something bigger you know like like you do when you're at Celebration and, and like when we were at Celebration dude when we saw the trailer for The Force Awakens at Celebration it was way better to see it there with a room full of people who were all losing their minds than it would have been to like, you know, open up my internet browser and watch it by myself. You know, you have a communal experience and I'm, I'm, yeah, I was totally into having that communal experience the first night we watched the movie. And if there were times when I couldn't hear a line or something, I knew I already had purchased tickets for my second viewing. So I'd catch that line the second time. You know what I mean? So I was fine with it, but 
I guess what I'm saying is the Star Wars fans that I watched it with that first night were cool and they reacted in ways that made my experience better. And then when there were, you know, the kind of moments that we were talking about that would kind of detract from the experience, I didn't have that, you know, so it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Let's talk about the movie like itself, you know, this isn't the movie theater etiquette podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. So I don't know. What should we let's talk about the movie? Well, you know, we, we've had a couple of reaction podcasts uh, or, yeah. or a couple of hours of reactions, I yeah. should say. Uh, <clears throat> is there anything that on subsequent subsequent viewings, when we've seen this movie again, I, I had only seen the movie once when we did it last that you have a vastly different feeling about or that you have uh, I guess more understanding is something you guys have noticed upon you guys have all seen this let's go through the count how many times have you seen it John five okay five I've, I've seen it two times I've seen it twice four times so I win <laughs> I'm way cooler uh, one of the things that I've kind of focused on the last two times I saw it was you know, a lot of people are complaining about, oh, well, Ray just kind of figures this out. What the heck is this kind of, you know, she figures everything out on her own really quickly, blah, blah, blah. So I've focused on a couple of different aspects there. And one was the fight at the end with Kylo. And I, I've talked to several people about this. One person I work with, one of my uncles, um, you know, they're saying, well, how's she doing this thing? She doesn't know what she's doing. She's fighting this guy who's, you know able to easily handle lots of people well okay one he gets shot by the bowcaster that's been knocking people on their butts the whole movie two he got jabbed in his arm once already and then another time his other arm by her and then also most of that time she's she's on the defensive she's running away from him and and then like as far as her fighting style she i was focusing on that a lot when i saw it today again and she really is fighting with a lightsaber like you would fight with a bow. She's kind of jabbing forward with it. She's doing long, broad motions with it. Not like a sword, but just kind of the what she's used to. It does not seem like the well-versed type of fighting that we saw in the prequels. It's, oh, no. It seems, it. it seems very sloppy overall. And, and I think that, that works well, out to I, the movie's benefit. For both of them. Yeah. I think that, for Kylo, both of them, I Kylo agree. too, he's kind of... I think his, his is partially because obviously his emotions are driving him completely at that point, I think. And he's been kind of beat up, you know. I view Kylo, Ren, and Ray as having probably, I don't know, Ray seems to be the Luke Skywalker or the Anakin Skywalker in the sense that she has incredible force talent and power and, you know, whatever. Um, I, I see her that way for sure. But at the same time, I feel like Kylo Ren and Ray are probably similarly... Like they have probably fairly similar ability to tap into the force or like opportunity to tap into the force, force power, force sensitivity, whatever you want to call it. But Kylo Ren to me seems like a character who is not able to fully take advantage of his power and skill and whatever because he is too unhinged, too conflicted within himself and too, I just, I don't think he's like in that fight. You know, Chris, you said, like, he seems just like she does. Like, he's not... Didn't you say, like, he doesn't seem like he's as skilled or as he... On top of things in that fight, like... Maybe not. I'm putting words in your mouth here, but... <laughs> you said something like that a minute ago, I thought, but... Because I feel like she's she's learning how to use a lightsaber, and she's not, like, that uh, trained or whatever. No, I said his, his fighting style didn't look as refined. Like, I'm just comparing it to, like, 
the prequel like mm-hmm. Jedi's like oh, uh, yeah, obviously yeah. he was just he's right. swinging his he's swinging a broadsword which kind of actually was Vader's technique more his style. was more of a broadsword power one arm I just guy. felt like I but yeah he, he still seems I mean I he just got felt, his ass handed to him by Ray with a lightsaber which yeah. you you would think I guess where you know these qualms are coming in is that well it's you would assume that uh, Kylo has m- somewhat training because he has a a ma- uh, you know supreme whatever his name Su- Sil- uh, supreme leader Snow yeah uh-huh. Snoke the supreme has leader maybe is trained wise. him has maybe yeah. trained him into some kind of combat yeah or we yeah, we still ha- we you know there, there's a, there's many well, he answers. trained with Luke too he trained with Luke Skywalker well oh that that's very true but there are many answers so, to this to this this issue and I think the most important one is that we still have two movies to figure this out and to understand where where Ray is coming from and she seemed just as surprised as we did that she was powerful and and there's I think that there's some story reason why why that well, happened and I, I I think that it I think that nitpicking the little detail is no it, I love really I love I buy I buy a hundred percent into yeah her finding the force her re, actually it's it's she's bouncing off of 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 uh of uh Kylo. You know, Kyle's like using the force. Is like, oh, I'm going to take this information out of you. And she's like, wait a minute. And then kind of something inside of her is like, you know, resisting. And it's just natural part of her. But and I totally, but I, it's to me, I'm not, I think it's, I think it's awesome because there's a different look at somebody gaining the force, not gaining the force, but just, you know, I guess the force awakens. It just goes inside of somebody and she's using it. In a special way, a different way, which yeah, it, I totally but, uh, is and awesome. I, I'm it's, probably, I, it's probably just coming from nowhere, but like for me, I get the feeling that he could be doing some of the things that she's doing too, in terms of like tapping into the force in that sort of natural, um, like she has like this intuition to use the force where she doesn't have to think about it that much. She doesn't have to be trained. It just comes to her because of her, because of who she is. I feel like he probably has that too, but he he he's gets try- in his own way all well, the yeah, time. He's trying too hard. She to doesn't be get in her he, own way yeah. like that. And, and it's does. a good thing we don't need this villain who's just just a superhuman and th- oh. that we have to fear in that oh. way. Like this 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 is a villain who is not done growing, and we are going to see him in the next movie, really really looking for revenge and really looking for a chance to prove himself again. I, and that is interesting. I love Kylo Ren being an imperfect. Teenager boy, basically, he's not teenager boy, but the way he reacts is, is ten, temper tantrums. You know, he's wearing the mask because he wants to be like his grandfather. He wants to be, you know, you know, mysterious. You know, hide who he truly is. And I think that's a really it's it's such it's refreshing that he's not just I'm just a bad guy like Snoke. That's why he's not refreshing. Snoke seem comes off as. The old guy who's powerful and mysterious. Yeah, we got we got that. We got enough of those guys in this in this storyline. But uh, Kylo Ren is really awesome. I enjoyed watching him, you know, thrash his, his control room with his lightsaber because it's it just shows who he is and it's, it was good. It was it was great. It was it was like I didn't expect it, but I didn't want you know. It's like I didn't. You know what I mean? It was just it was good. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I mean, you you look back at episode one, and when Qui Gon's talking to Anakin about, oh, you can you can do pod racing, you know what I mean? Like Anakin doesn't know he's using the Force when he's doing that, but that's the only way that he, as a human, is doing pod racing. And it, 
So it's not like this is an unestablished thing in the universe here. Oh no, and Ray is that archetype. That's the char- that's the role that Ray is fil- filling in this movie. And it gives me goosebumps to think about the fact that this is the next in that line of characters. Anakin in the prequels, that character that has an uncanny ability to tap into the Force that, you know, I mean, we, we were talking about this earlier today, Chris, and you kind of gave me the business because I referred to her as like the chosen one or whatever. And like, I don't mean that literally because, you know, Anakin was the chosen one according to the prophecy and all that stuff. But like, as much as that's a specific like piece of lore or idea that's tied up in that movie, it's also another way, it's a way of putting a name to the type of character that Anakin is and that Luke is. They are the the hero character, the chosen character. Yeah, Anakin was specifically the chosen one of that prophecy, but Luke is the chosen character in the original trilogy. Anakin is the chosen character in the prequels. It's like the one where destiny and fate and the force and everything are pushing them toward the hero that they are supposed to be, and that's who Rey is in this movie. And that's why when people say, like, it's the evidence all points to Ray being Luke's daughter, to me, I say, yeah, that could be. But at the same time, is the evidence all just pointing to the fact that she is the Luke of this movie or the Anakin of this movie? Because well, she. Luke, Luke wasn't necessarily like that, I guess, the. I think when I. The chosen. De- deconstructing your. your yeah. What you said it was the chosen one. He was more the. Uh, oh, I don't know the term, but the, the, the character to carry. To connect us to the chosen one, he 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 had to carry us into, you know, he was the son of the chosen one. You know, he wasn't necessarily the chosen. Like, and that's obvious, but I'm just saying. Yeah, but you, say, you can't say like Anakin and Luke. Like Luke, but Luke, the more you know, Lucas made Star Wars and he had this, but it was like, well, Luke was this guy and he had to carry us to there. But the more the original trilogy goes on, and by the way, I don't, I doubt George Lucas even had ever considered the idea of a chosen one when he was making Empire and Jedi and everything. Like, the more those movies go on, the more clear it becomes that Luke is the chosen hero of those movies. Not the chosen one of the prophecy of the chosen one, but he's the one that's like, dude, by the time you get to Empire and Jedi, Obi-Wan and Yoda are like, that boy's our only hope. Like, he, you know, and even, I, I mean, you know, the ver- the prototypical Star Wars, 1977, A New Hope, you get to the end of the movie nobody else is going to blow up that Death Star but Luke Skywalker. There is no other person to do that. He is the character that's meant to do that. And, he, you know, the the universe of the Force knows it before he does. No, I... Uh... Not to mention the fact that he does what is called a one-in-a-million shot. I mean, the, all of these movies Without have precedent have precedent of characters doing impossible things through means of the Force. Right. And that's what Ray does at the end of this movie. When Ray, when Ray, you know, bests Kylo Ren in that lightsaber battle, it's like, it's partly because Ray is awesome, but it's also partly because the Force is manifesting itself through her, you know, or however you want to put it. But you know, just like Luke didn't do that by himself. In fact, like the movie makes it very clear that Luke doesn't blow up the Death Star by himself, and that if he tried, he would have failed. It was all about putting his faith in the Force and tapping into something larger than himself. And Ray's not successful about you know against Kylo Ren until she taps into something larger than herself too. So I just feel like you know she's the Luke, and thank God because she's a fantastic Luke. She's amazing. Well, by the time she does it, you just you, you I had so much admiration and and appreciation for her character by the time she does that. That it, uh, to me, it didn't feel abrupt. It didn't feel unnecessary. It felt great. 
to watch her watch her do that watch her tap into that watch her become something that that uh, she didn't think that she could be because that's what Star Wars is all about well and the one thing that like I've had to remind myself of too is when my family members who like you know have seen the Star Wars movies and like Star Wars but they're not like fans like us by any means they're looking at the movie a little bit more like objectively as oh this is a movie why does this stuff not make sense whereas we're like oh it makes sense because of all these story points and all these things that carry over through all of these previous six movies and other things that are in the universe and all that you know what I mean so like the explanation makes no brainer sense to us but people who aren't necessarily as into it don't see that and uh, so like when I've stepped through those things and said you know no, she's really kind of retreating the whole time. No, these things have precedence in the in the other movies. They're not thinking about that stuff. So I can see it from the from the general public having yeah. those qualms. Yeah, I think they're. I think the general public or whoever though is a lot more likely to make these arguments about Ray, the female character, who they don't typically consider to be the hero. Like I, I don't know. I feel like people are a lot less likely to make that argument about Luke or Anakin than they are about Ray because she's a woman and you know like oh i can't believe that girl beat that you know typical villain in a battle because i wouldn't you know if it was finn who came after kylo ren with that lightsaber and did better you wouldn't be hearing as much about it and actually it's funny because ryan made a couple comments about the whole mary sue thing uh on our last podcast and i had not read about any of the like mary sue backlash and i was just like what are you talking about like i i I never even heard that term until until this whole thing, uh, and then what, I read a bunch about it again? too. It's like, uh, I don't know what. May, well, I, I, I'm talking based on my reading of just a couple of articles about it. But apparently, Mary Sue is a term that's used on the internet or or just in discussions about about uh, in fiction when somebody writes a character, uh, a female character. Uh, well, yeah, a female character who is. Who was written from a fan fiction perspective into a universe with characters, and all of a sudden that character is like more powerful or more more dynamic than the other characters who were originally in the movie. So if you write a character into it's viewed as like a fan fiction thing, like somebody's living out a fantasy where like it's a dream of theirs, where they go into this universe of a movie, and all of a sudden all of these powerful people are are admiring them. So mm-hmm. I I'm really into Batman, and then I wrote this fan fiction where you know my character is this Supergirl who who came in, and Batman was really impressed, and that type of thing. Uh, I, again, I'm sure that there are many people listening to this who have a much greater understanding of this than well, I do. But well, I think one of the other parts to it when you look at the way they're talking about it online, they also say often, but not necessarily this character is recognized as an author insert and or wish for wish fulfillment, you know? And I think that's kind of where people were driving at with it is, Oh, none of these movies have had any female characters. And I remember initially when the, when it came out and they didn't really announce like any females that had been cast. And then they're like, Oh no, uh, Lupita Nyong'o is going to be in this. And so is Gwendolyn Christie. Like it, so I think people kind of had that mindset where they're like, "Oh crap, we gotta, we're gonna, we're gonna make this all like about the girls now," since everybody's kind of getting pissed off about it. Because I do remember people being angry about it. Yeah, and that was awesome because then we got Lupita Nyong'o and Gwendolyn Christie. And by we don't know, I don't think whether or not 
I mean, I don't know if they secured those people. Like those talks were probably already going on. Although it sounds like I would agree. It sounds like though with Gwendolyn Christie, at least like Captain Phasma was originally a male character and then they changed it. But I don't know if that was directly because of the backlash. But if it was, that's awesome. I think. And and you know the movie was always about a female protagonist. It was always about Ray. Like mm-hmm. from day one, it was always about Ray. Um, I you know I know Jade. I, I in the art book it discusses that Kathleen Kennedy had that mentioned that early on that we want to do a female protagonist yeah and i heard jj say that recently too like this even before we knew what this movie was we knew it was going to be about a strong female they knew that the luke of this trilogy would be a a female character and i think that's great i just i mean like you know when i've seen people making this argument about ray being a mary sue and all that stuff it's come down to the fact that like she shouldn't have all the power she has she shouldn't be as successful as she has it's not realistic and you just not you don't hear people say that same kind of thing. Yeah, about, neither is traveling faster than light speed yeah. and having blasters that shoot lasers out of them. I mean, right, and that same argument can be applied to Luke and so many other male characters in these kind of movies. But you never really hear that, do you? And you know, you hear it about Ray. And I think it's like, I don't know. I mean, sure, there's some legitimate like if you want to get into like the logic behind some of the things she does maybe it doesn't totally add up but it wouldn't for a lot of male characters in the movies too but this is the first i've heard of this mary sue thing in reference to star wars so it's not totally out of st- it's not totally out of step with with the precedent set by the other movies and it's not at all out of and, step and it's totally we, in step we we can chalk it up to ob- obviously mis- misogyny also i think that there's to some extent people it's a way to call the entire movie a piece of fan fiction too and i think some people probably feel powerful when they Ooh. when they can think of this as yeah this th- this is just some fanboy making a star wars movie and doing something stupid with his protagonist. this isn't real that's really interesting you say that because one of the things i wanted to bring up and i was kind of waiting maybe thinking about waiting until the end but let's just talk about it now is this like is it a real star wars movie because like part like chris when we said you know you said early on and I've talked about this a bunch too. I was like, oh man, <laughs> I was like real, uh, you know, I was real cynical and worried about this. And I thought like, hey, if it's not the maker himself, if it's not George Lucas, it's not his story, it's not his script, he's not behind it. That's not Star Wars. Well, and it but then I walked of, out of The Force Awakens. And I was like, this is one of the best Star Wars movies I've ever seen. So is it Star Wars or not? So it's kind of interesting you bring that up because you know George Lucas did this interview with Charlie Rose. I haven't watched the whole thing, but I've read a couple of things about it online. And Kevin and I were talking about it on the way over here. One of the things George talks about is, you know, he's been pretty vocal about, yeah, I gave my ideas. They didn't want to use them. Um, But then he goes on to kind of discuss, you know, when I'm making these movies, I, I don't want to make the same thing again. They made this movies for the fans. I don't want to make a movie where we're seeing all of the same things we've already seen, the same ships, the same planets. I want new planets. I want new ships. I want new people, you know, and I, and Hearing that from him and looking at the original trilogy versus the prequel trilogy, he certainly did that. And it sounds like if he were the one that had done 7, 8, and 9, it would have been another of the same thing where it was a completely different uh, vibe between them because he said he doesn't want to do the same story again. He doesn't want to rehash the stuff. And he made the point to say they made this movie for the fans. Yeah, George Lucas, I have an incredible amount of respect and love for, and I'm so pro-George. But if there's one criticism of that guy I will make is that I feel like he often says things that are contradictory 
and you know he'll say one thing one minute and then kind of you know go the other way like for instance the movie was never gonna the movie was always Anakin's story it's six parts that's it versus no it's nine parts versus it's 12 parts versus he's talking to Mark Hamill about it in 1977 and saying will you come back in 2012 to do I mean the guy I just don't think he always knows fair enough and that's all right that's good it should be something that evolves. He, he, spe- he speaks to how he feels at the moment. Yeah. And, and he speaks it sometimes without a filter, uh, sometimes for the better, sometimes for I th- for worse. Yeah, because I think you can very convincingly make the argument that while the prequels have different looking ships and new planets, that in a lot of ways it's echoing very closely many things from Star Wars. George Lucas will always al- also tell you Star Wars is poetry and that it's all about repeating you know stanzas and stuff like that and it is there's no doubt that it is and there's no doubt that he did that purposefully so then to turn around and when somebody else makes the movie say well it's too similar and you you know i always wanted to do things different all the time in star wars i mean yes and no Uh, you can you can point out a lot of things that are very different in the prequels you can also point out a lot of things that echo and reinforce and restate things from the original trilogy so and i haven't seen the interview in question yet so maybe I shouldn't be criticizing George without having seen it but I just I don't know I think I don't and you you know, let's talk, let's talk about The Force Awakens Takadana new planet Jakku new planet uh, whatever planet Starkiller bases on new planet the planet Luke's on new planet like wh- what planets do they even go to that are in the original movie Tatooine like, Endor and Hoth yeah they don't do that on no, The Force they're Awakens similar. they're similar but they're similar sure but I mean except uh, Luke's Island, ocean planet. Yeah, but I. You mean Genosis? Exactly. <laughs> well, I don't think any of us really fault George for his negative no, here's feelings. My, I want to say is that if what he's whatever that quote was is uh, he would have made different. I think the way they did Force Awakens with the the battle, like all these star destroyers and and this these you know ATATs. Like decrepit in the sand, like just mm-hmm. or wherever, just just defeated the old empire, remnants of the old war. That is brilliant, and I think that's what everybody when they saw that trailer was like. That's I I, I don't know. That's what everybody in the back of their head was just all. Everybody agreed upon was like, yeah, like yeah. we want to like. I think you'd ha- like as far as him co- saying that. Oh, if I did in prequels, yes, have different. Ships and planets and yeah, you gotta have explore. It's a whole galaxy. You gotta explore everything. You explore tons of planets, millions, whatever. I don't know. That's great. But if you want to connect an audience from Jedi, you from like if you're doing a sequel and not a prequel. Prequel, yeah, you can change everything. And obviously, in Episode th- uh, Three, they had you know things started to look, oh, you know, a little bit more like Episode uh, Four. But when, especially when you're doing a sequel, you, I think you, to, in order to captivate an audience, even if that sequel was planned to be 30 years later, and maybe they shot it five years after they shot Jedi and they made Luke look old through makeup or whatever, I guarantee you, I mean, I think you got to have the old, uh, you got to have some connection from the old and new. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I agree. And I, and think- I think, and I think Abrams and they did, they did it. They did a, the, a what I wanted. Like yeah. if you're saying like, is this a Star Wars movie, and George Lucas didn't do it, I say yes. Well, there, I mean, I I have a qual like I take the original 
three and the six, and I compartmentalize them, and uh, those are Lucas's, and I, th- that's what it should be, and I love Anakin's story. I don't know what episode nine is going to bring us, but I think episode seven has done a great job of reigniting it and actually making everybody wonder where is what is Luke up to what is going on in the in the galaxy or the universe and why did you know like what is Luke doing and why this happened well I think that you know you're bringing up an interesting point here when you say I you know I believe that you know you believe because we decide I think personally to our own in our own you know internal feelings about this we have to decide if these are Star Wars movies or not. Literally, yes, they are Star Wars movies. The The rights to Star Wars is owned by Disney. Lucasfilm is owned by Disney. Lucasfilm is making Star Wars movies. But to us, does this capture what Star Wars is the more interesting point? And to me, Star Wars is is a universe that was created by George Lucas. And, and there are movies and stories that take place in this universe with these characters that have certain themes and motifs. And yes, absolutely, The Force Awakens is a Star Wars movie. It gives me all of the same feelings, excitement, and energy that the original trilogy did, that the prequel trilogy did. Uh, some of the movies are better than others. Some of the things going on and all the different movies are better than the others all of these movies give me a very similar thing and absolutely the force awakens is a star wars movie yeah i think that the the ones written and directed and produced by george lucas will always be they'll always have a little edge in terms of authenticity of course because he's the guy who's responsible for all of it and he created it and everything else but uh but that being said, I think like it would be at this point, I feel like the creative team at Lucasfilm and the people behind these movies, they know what Star Wars is. And I think, honestly, I don't know. I think that, you know, The Force Awakens is probably better than any Star Wars movie we would have gotten from from George. And, you know, well, maybe. But so I don't know. I mean, it's it's just that was the thing, you know, when I heard about it and I've talked about this ad nauseum, but. When I heard that they were making more and when I heard that Disney was in charge and everything, it was just, it's not Star Wars. It's, I, it's just a cover band. That's what I thought. I and will then, I will say I, I, I still have the reservation mm-hmm. like in my mind that, and I think that's maybe why the experience I had, you know, it was just like, okay, this is Star Wars, but it's a different, it's not, it's not George's story, right? It's not George's story. So right. it's somebody else's take. It's still Star Wars. The characters are there, but also it's like, where are they going to take it? I'm, I love it, and I'm embracing it. I do embrace it 100. percent and I didn't think I would, especially when they announced it. You know, in what 2012? Yeah, I was like, whatever. You don't need, it. and I don't. I still don't think they need it, but I'm embracing it because, especially after. I mean, I've seen it, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm on board now because I want to see where you're going to take. You, you, they did a great job of like, I guess. You know, they put Luke in this position of like, you know, holy crap. I mean, he's got a lot of things to fix. You know, he messed up big time, you know, in a lot of ways that we don't know, but a lot of ways that we do know as far as what we know. I'm just saying they took Luke's character and they made him more interesting. So I want to see where they're taking Luke Skywalker. Because really, I mean, Ren, Ren's great and, and Ray and Finn and Poe, awesome characters, well written and well acted. Just, everything's great. Yeah. But uh, where are they going to take Luke? I'm interested. Well, and I love the way that these—I love the way that this new trilogy and this new era in Star Wars is kind of lining up, like in the fiction of the film and in the reality of the world we live in, in terms of like, 
hey, this movie is about a new generation and the movie is made by a new generation of filmmakers, you know. Um, the movie is about passing on something from before, passing it on and it, you know, continuing on and that kind of stuff. And that's what we have happening in the movie and that's what's happening in reality too. And I feel like, you know, George is a guy who made a very personal movie and made a movie that he was, you know, he was the guy, you know, he's the one who wrote it. He created it. He's, it is George Lucas. But that being said, when you create something that becomes the mythology of an entire era in human history, you know, like people are going to look back at the 20th century and Star Wars is going to be the, you know, prevailing mythology. Uh, it, I feel like at a certain point, you know, George Lucas acknowledges and understands that it's bigger than him and that when he dies, Star Wars shouldn't die with him, that there's, you know, that it has to go on. It's it's a big deal, man. It's it's not it's not Jurassic Park or Back to the Future where it's like if the people who made those movies are just say hey, it's done, it's done. It's this is like I don't know. It's huge. It's it's transcendent. It goes beyond. I just don't think it's I, I don't think it's realistic, even if he wanted to be st- I don't know, selfish isn't the right word, but even if you wanted to say, like, there's no Star Wars being made if I'm not the one making it, um, even if he wanted to do that, I just don't think it's realistic because there's too much of an appetite and there's too, it's just too big of a thing. You know, I, I mean, it could be one thing when maybe he, no more movies, but there would still always be books and comics and stories and games and, you know, it's just, it's not going to, it's not going to stop because he decides he doesn't want to make any more movies. It's too big. Like you said, transcendent. It's one of those rare transcendent things when yeah, it is when Chris. people like us uh, <laughs> see these movies. And you know, I think it was Jason Swank on Rebel Force Radio that was talking about this, and it really kind of, uh, kind of summed up and brought to like my consciousness of how I felt. But you know, when Han dies, it's like there was a death in my own family. Like I'm not crying in other movies when characters die, whether it's movies that I've seen when I was younger and, you know, I've continued to see over and over. I, it felt like a shot to the stomach when he got hit. And like, even when I think about it, it's like, it's weird, you know, there's, there's nothing else that kind of permeates my life like that. does, And it's, it's ingrained from, you know, seeing these movies growing up young, uh, having these type of discussions with you guys and other folks. And, you know, it's, it, it ends up being so much more a part of our life than just a, a cinematic experience. Well, if and if, if Star Wars is about is, is mythology and, and 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 has all these real world connections to our lives, then then we have to acknowledge the way that it mirrors our life, not just the movies and the context of the stories and the characters, but but also the way that they're made. And and George Lucas is not really wanting to be making Star Wars movies in his seventies, you know, the same way that I don't. I don't think my dad should probably have to change my oil every 6,000 miles or whatever. And when he, he knows damn well he taught me how to do it 20 years ago, and I could probably be doing it on my own. I, I'd go over there and do it every time. We, this is something we have to deal with in life, the generational handoff. And it's something that is happening in the movie. It's something that happened in the director's chair, and it's something that's happening in our lives. And we have to acknowledge that Star Wars, as you said earlier, is bigger than George Lucas. It has become bigger than him and he was willing to pass it off and it's been difficult for him. I think that we are all going to be very thankful that he did because it is such an important and, and, and beautiful universe and I'm glad it's continuing. 
Well, and I think one of the things that makes me the happiest about it being passed off is if he didn't, I don't know that I ever would have really had the experience to enjoy this and see the enjoyment of my five-year-old son with Star Wars. Like, yeah, he would have obviously seen this. He's already seen all the Star Wars movies before this happened anyway because I love Star Wars and I'm going to show it to him. And But, like, being able to sit in that movie theater with him at five years old and see a brand new movie... You know, it's just a completely different experience, and I'm grateful, so grateful for that. Oh, absolutely! My my own, I have two, I have two kids, and my my only one who's really old enough to pay attention to movies is my daughter, and and I don't think she would be able to make the same connections with the original Star Wars. I I think that I think that her generation is going to grow up with Ray as as one of their main heroes, and I love that. I absolutely love that, and. I'm so glad that it's happening, not just for me, but for the younger generation. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to talk about this anymore, but if I did, I would probably say, then again, Devil's Advocate, if this movie came out and it sucked, I'd be like, see, it's not Star Wars without George Lucas, you know? And that's a very real possibility. It could have come out, it could have been bad, the people behind it could have misunderstood what Star Wars is, and then it would feel like it completely takes away from what that thing that I loved in the first place and it's like I would have rather they just left well, it alone let's that could fa- definitely happened. let's face the reality that it will still happen, could happen. There, there are going to be Star Wars movies nearly every year that is going to happen there's going to be one that we see and say oh, yeah. yeah but you know what if they make a Boba Fett movie and it's not that good I'm going to be able to say yeah that Boba Fett movie that's not even really a Star Wars movie it's guaranteed it's like, not to be good <laughs> I don't know. What if it's like a spaghetti western and it's like a real cool like? But the thing is, it's no, not going to be a Star fans, Wars movie. Fans have way high expectations for him, so that's going to be turds. No matter uh, what, it's going to be turds. I, I don't agree that it's definitely going to be bad just because fans it doesn't have need high to be made. It doesn't need to be made. That's that is definitely a movie that doesn't be made. Just like Han Solo. Yeah, well, be made. you can thank George Lucas for the fact that it's being made though, because it was his idea. He's the one who wanted to make all these movies. And that's the thing. Like we want to, like uh, I wanted to when I heard about this. I wanted to say, "Hey guys, you can't do this to George Lucas's legacy." But he's the one who wanted to do it in the first place. Well, in 2020, you'll be able to tell. We can on our uh, how many episodes will that be? In 2020, when Nine. the Star Wars anthology Boba Fett comes out, we can revisit this conversation. Why do you say in 2020? Because they, they released, released their the schedule. They released the schedule today. 2020 today is uh, Boba Fett. Where was I? At Taco Bell, I think. <laughs> and, and seeing The Force Awakens again earlier on. Uh, yeah, so they did release the uh, the schedule here. So This Rogue is the first o- official acknowledgement of the Boba Fett movie, isn't it? Rogue One. They acknowledged that it was being made, but it sort of got put on the back burner, I think. But Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, December 16th, 2016. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Episode Eight. May 26, 2017. I kept expecting that to be delayed till December of that year. No. Star Wars Anthology Han Solo as a working title. May 25th, 2018. Steven, Star come Wars on, you know Episode about this. 9, 2019. Star Wars Anthology Boba Fett, 2020. Um, okay, look. Look, uh, here. No. Chris is off the microphone freaking out about this because he's really disappointed in this news. And which I can understand, but like, you know, Kevin, you said it's going to happen. There's going to be a bad Star Wars movie. For me, for me, it's not the same. Like, if the Boba Fett movie's bad or the Rogue One movie is bad, it's not the same as Episode 8 being bad or Episode 9 being bad. Like, to me. Oh, you're diluting, those are, you're diluting the product. Yeah, fine, but like. In movie form. Welcome in to movie Disney form. Owning it. No, that's, no, that's fine with no, book form. You want to make Rogue Lucas One. No, deciding before Disney even bought it that they were going to make book? all these fine. things. Fine. But a movie, 
And let's not ignore the huge elephant in the room that many, many fans, including many of our friends, think that episodes one through three already ruined the franchise. Yeah, but I'm just saying, though, like, to me, if a movie about the Skywalker family and a movie that's part of the Star Wars saga comes out and it's not good, that hurts me a lot more than if Kathleen Kennedy says, hey, here's the keys to a story about Boba Fett. Like, go ahead and make a movie try some stuff, do it in a different genre. Like they're not even necessarily going to feel like star Wars movies. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because it's because they're not there. It's not the same thing as the star Wars movies. We know, like if I watch an episode of clone wars and I'm like, well, that wasn't that good of an episode of clone wars. That's cause I, I don't say oh, that, you know, that was like, they're a different, it's an animation. It's an animation. It's different. You can yeah, separate think, yourself. I think you that. can do that. But with once they ge- put it in, the, in a movie form, where I disagree. Like, oh, this is what Boba Fett did. Factual what Boba Fett did because it's canon now. Well, it's in canon a, in Clone Wars. I think when Rebels they hit the too. silver screen, that's when it's like, wait a minute, you better. You're, you're really, but you're already going to have to deal with canon in your own personal way because I, there are many novels that you haven't read that are canon technically well, right now. There wow. are many. There are probably. Have you seen all the episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels? Those are all technically yes. canon. All of them. Yes. Good. Uh, when I, so so what you're gonna you're really gonna have to address that canon issue personally. I think. But no no no, no, no. I mean, even if it's not movies, it's I'm not, not say, canon, I'm not saying labeling this this or that canon. It's the separation from you know film to other things to anim- like the animation of of Clone Wars. Great, I can separate. I, get I guess personally, it's I can separate that. That's like well, no, that's that's okay. That. But it, let's say, let's say you, you watch a, when you make a film of about Boba Fett, like. <laughs> That's just cheapening Boba Fett. It's cheapening his lore. That's like that's like the movie Wolverine. Yeah, but sucks. they all, it he sucks. also he also cheapened Boba Fett's lore when he made the prequels about Boba Fett. Like Boba Fett is unquestionably, in my opinion, I guess a lot of people. So what? Uh, we should just keep me, the train rolling. Let's make it this. Let's make it even worse. No, I'm just saying that like. You know, you, you, you if you want to make Boba Fett some kind of sacred cow, like oh, it's holier than thou. We can't mess with Boba. It Fett. was though. It was a sacred the cow guy for everyone defend- I mean, that it, yeah. saw him for how many seconds he was in for Return of the Jedi, and that's it. I or agree, an and that's how it should have stayed. But Boba instead- Fett was kind of a legend in our own minds, though. I mean, he. he- but that's Boba Fett was barely even He's in the first the movies. It's the mystery that, that made us that made us. Exist. So from that perspective, I understand where you're coming. That's from, That's what Chris. intrigues you. That, that they're that they're ruining the mystery, but it's going to happen. Some of the movies are going to be good. Some of them are going to be bad. The Boba Fett one might very well turn out just really good. That's all monetary. That's a monetary reason. There's no storytelling in that. It's all monetary. It's all monetary. Everything's monetary. No, Disney bought Star Wars because they're like, yeah, we could could really make money. But they did a really good job with Force Awakens. Agreed, but definitely when you're taking somebody that's mysterious and beautiful to a story because he's mysterious and you're turning him into a, like, you're turning him into a prophet. I just, I just have to, I know I already said this, but I have to reiterate this point of view of mine. When you say it's going to happen, there's going to be a bad Star Wars movie, to me, a bad spinoff is not the same thing as a bad saga movie. Like, it's not the same thing. It will suck to have a bad Star Wars spinoff, but it won't suck nearly as bad as having a bad Star Wars saga movie. And and to say, like, a Star Wars movie is a Star Wars movie, I understand that perspective, and it's not, I guess, it's not that I disagree with it, but at the same time, like, I feel like... I understand because like if there's a comic a Star Wars comic and it's not that good I'm like well whatever who cares that was just a comic I don't care if it's bad if there's a book that's bad 
I care more than a bad comic, but I don't care that much more. If there's an episode of the TV show that's bad, I probably care more than I do about a bad book, but I still don't care as much as I would about a bad movie. And that, that's like, what, but and, because and that's how Star Wars was started. I know it was a movie. I know, so. but 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 what I'm saying is that like there's nuance in terms of like bad Star Wars stories, right? Based on genre and medium, not even genre, but medium based on medium. I agree. And when you get to a movie, well, it's a it, when and, you get to a movie, and it a, wasn't George Lucas. Like, when, that's yep. the whole. Sure, but that's right. Okay, that's, that's another. That's, where that's another facet. Yeah. Yeah, but, the, but, but when you get to movies, like I feel like it's. I feel like it's still. It's too. It's an oversimplification to just say like, a Star Wars movie is a Star Wars movie because I think all we've ever had before in terms of movies, are the Star Wars saga movies. But once we get to the point where we have anthology movies, like stories that are set in the Star Wars universe, but they're not part of the core Star Wars saga. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, man, I, I guarantee you, we, and, and this is true for, you might not think it's true, but it will be true. You will not be nearly as disappointed in Rogue One being bad as you would have been in Episode 7 being bad. It's not the same thing for Rogue One to You're be right, bad. You're right, because I don't seven. care about Rogue One. I don't want to see it. It shouldn't be a movie. It could be a video game. <laughs> it could be a book. I don't care. It doesn't need to be made. I'm saying when you get into the movie realm, you're making it and don't you like, think it doesn't make- count as much as a Star Wars saga movie? Do I? I think it doesn't count as much, so I'm not as no, worried no, no, no. about I it. Get- I think that's what he's saying. He's saying like he doesn't feel like those need to be movies at all. Make it a video game. Make it a book. Why do I mean? I get they're going to make a movie, but when they start making it a movie where it's in the mindset of, well, it's okay if it's not good because it's not a part of the saga. Well, what, you need- no, then, then you get but- into the DC comics and, and Marvel where. Oh, we made a bad Hulk. Let's make another one five years later, and it'll be better, or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's you're just you're diluting it in the movie sense because Star Wars was a great, beautiful movie, a movie. Yeah, and when you start, if you they, know, like weeding off of that into like, just I mean, I, I don't know. It, you're gonna have varying degrees of appreciation, not only for. The, the, the spin-off movies, but also for the, the mainline movies. There may be mainline movies that you don't really like that well. They're going to keep making them, but half of half of what's beautiful about Star Wars is is the the setup, the build up, the the fun. Well, Talking the about it afterwards, the lore, all of that stuff. It's not gonna so, be lore anymore when they shoot everything that we want to talk about in his mystery. But I think I think when they announced when they announced that Disney was buying Star Wars and they were making another trilogy I was the first one who got really hyped about it first among our friends. Like I was instantly like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch all the Clone Wars. I'm gonna start reading books again. I'm gonna listen to podcasts, and I, I think everybody else slowly got caught up to that that level of hype. But you know, some of you guys were really skeptical when they first announced the Disney thing, and yeah, me, yeah, and that's totally fine. But but my first feeling was this is going to be worth it no matter what because it's going to be fun. And I spent three years having fun getting really back into Star Wars. And when I say getting really back into I never really left it. It just it elevated my hype more. And I think there are going to be, because of how Disney is handling the, the property, there are going to be ups and downs no matter what. And you may not like that. You may, you may rather they just do a trilogy every other decade or something but or every decade <laughs> yes. but they're not going to do that and there and there are going to be ups and downs to that there's going to be a movie you don't like there's going to be a movie you really like but it's all going to be really fun so the thing that disappointed me the most after reading that release schedule is 
God, I'm going to have to wait until the 2020s until I can see Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan again. Because <laughs> I really want to see him as Obi-Wan. Oh, uh, maybe totally. Maybe they're doing that intentionally because they want him to be the age of the Obi-Wan they want to show on screen. I don't know. What if they don't get him? What if he Did he sign that contract? No, but he's made it clear that he'd be happy to come back as Obi-Wan. But now this is where, I mean, I disagree with you too. And I think like this is where I am, you know, pretty much on board with what you're saying, Chris. Like to me... Obi-Wan is a sacred character. To me, Obi-Wan on film is closely associated with the Star Wars saga, and the only Obi-Wan I, I want to see on the film... Like, what story needs to be told? To what story be, needs to be told? Sure. To Yeah, in the Star Wars saga. And when I start finding out, like, what he did every third Tuesday for 15 years on Tatooine, like... I don't need Blue that. I, I don't need See, that. See, I like, actually, I actually and I think, think that's better served. I think that's better served by another medium outside of a film. And yeah. put in a comic book, and then or, uh, well, they already made a book or, of it. Yeah, I. But I, I disagree about Obi Wan. I think I think the Obi Wan one would be good. I think it'd be interesting. I think he's a character who's not. But he, he, he's he's one of the main characters outside of the main Skywalkers. But you're, but he he still. I feel like there's some room to breathe. I really like Ewan McGregor as as Obi Wan. I think he. I think it'd be great if he got a chance to come but, back. But I, th- missing- I, 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 I think that the you know a Yoda spinoff would be hard for me to swallow. The Han oh, one, I'm yuck. really skeptical about. The the Boba Fett one, I'm really skeptical about. Although I'm going to be open to enjoying all of them. Yeah, but no, I think that going back to Obi Wan, I think they did a good job with the prequels of showing what Obi Wan was all about and his. And actually, wasn't different from Episode One, Two, and Three. He was basically just. Following orders, yeah. What do you want to do, Council? Okay, I'll just be that guy. Yeah, and but- he was afraid of flying, and, and and that was it. There was not much more interesting. I mean, it was what I'm. I'm just not saying, much more interesting. No, no, no. I'm just saying that what they that's what Obi Wan was, and then he went to Tatooine and was a hermit. That was it. Most of his character growth took place in Episode One, because in, in for ninety percent of Episode One, he's somebody who wants to unquestioningly well, follow the rules and by the end of episode one he's looking Yoda in the eye and saying I'll break the code if I have to I'll train him regardless of what you say because yeah. I made a promise to my friend that's when you saw a different side of Obi-Wan and I think you saw him go to bat for but Anakin not, once in a while in the prequels no, but and, not even only that not only okay in the movies but I, th- I think they did a good job in the Clone Wars cartoons and in the animation series like he was a great character so but here's my thing though I think Kevin off mic there, Kevin. I think like you misunderstand me if you think what I'm saying is that an Obi-Wan movie would be bad. I'm not saying an Obi-Wan movie would be bad. I'm not saying I wouldn't like to see Obi I wouldn't like I wouldn't enjoy seeing Ewan McGregor back in that role. Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is great. They could tell a decent Obi-Wan story and make a decent Obi-Wan movie starring Ewan McGregor. What I'm saying is that more Obi-Wan on film starts to dilute what obi-wan in the saga is like sure i mean i'll be the first to admit too there's part of it the reason i want it is because man i love ewan mcgregor as obi-wan i love his enthusiasm for the character and all that and i i I would just really love to see him in that again but i agree i don't know what story needs to be told for him i really don't especially if they're aiming for that older Middle-aged thing. What's he been doing? Hanging out in the desert. And how do you make a movie about Obi-Wan on Tatooine and not have Luke Skywalker be a part of it? And if they ever suggest having <laughs> casting anyone else as Luke Skywalker, which they probably will because they've already cast somebody else as Han Solo, and or they're getting ready to, and that's... I hope it's good, but I'm just... 
I, I don't ever want to see another person play the role of Han Solo. Like, are you kidding me? I, all of this is risky, though. Is, yeah. All of this is risky. And an Obi-Wan movie would be risky. The Han Solo movie is risky. I'm just saying that I, I really would like the chance that they're being an Obi-Wan movie because I really like Obi-Wan. He's one of my favorite characters. In one sense, yes, that means I'm 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 cautious about it, but I would I would really enjoy the chance at something cool happening with Obi-Wan. Kevin, your thoughts on Snoke. We haven't talked about Snoke. Here's my thing. I didn't like Snoke. He was my biggest qualm in the episode seven uh, movie. That was my biggest qualm is that there's this old crusty new Sith that nobody knew about and he's there and he had to be there because that's the uh, Star Wars threat, I guess. Not really. I'm just saying like, I didn't, I don't need a Snoke. Why is he there? Why is he CG? Why does he look like Gollum? Disappointed. Yeah, my my first reaction to, to Snoke was not not really dislike, but just oh yeah, that's that's kind of a CG character that looks like a Lord of the Rings villain. Not really what what not really the most imaginative thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why is he twenty five feet tall? And then he turned <laughs> yeah. in, turned into a thank God hologram, a and it yeah, that's all still up in the air. I I was a little more interested in him the second time I watched it. Uh, maybe maybe more because of some of the possibilities for for what could happen later than than what actually happened in his role in the Force Awakens. Because let's let's face it, the Emperor is only mentioned briefly in in the until Return of the Jedi, right? Well, I guess he was shown in in hologram form in Empire, but 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 all of that is very brief and very fleeting, and and uh, it, it's a pretty big payoff when you get to see him. And, and, the and he's, he's really yeah, the Emperor. He's he's really awesome and jedi so i hold out hope that snoke is going to be cool but in what not, way, not in what way cool like like not cg cool like oh he was a hologram so he could be anybody <laughs> and he's going to be a real person or like oh his character is going to be more meaningful than it should like because right now vader you know killed the emperor he was the last of the sith and then he sacrificed himself he killed the sith off himself it's done it's over now we got play or uh Snoke, rumored to be Plagueis, whatever or whatever. I mean, why? Yeah. I don't think why he's Plagueis. He I don't think he's Plagueis. Okay. I don't think that rumor makes any. Well, sense. that'd make more sense. That'd actually make more sense. He he figured out a way to to to, to uh, what do you say? What do you say? Uh, save people from dying, except himself. The Emperor said, but you know, well, well, the Emperor was cocky. So anyway, but if it's not him, if it's whatever, wh- who is this old crusty guy who looks like Gollum? And well, played by the same guy but, you're, but you're talking about the rule of two with the Sith, which I don't think that Snoke that. is or is going to be a, a Sith. I think this this no. is somebody who what, is powerful with the dark side. It's a different thing. A different it like, approach. I'm not sure what the backstory is going to be. Right. I well, am Chris, sure we're going to get more of it. 
I'm, I'm well, what's, intrigued what's your... to see what happens. I'm not necessarily excited by what we saw on screen in Force Awakens. <laughs> so, okay, so you're like kind of like on my boat, like totally in your. Boat. Well, like who's, I think that's who, a pretty common common reaction is that Snoke is one of the weak parts of the movie, like for sure. I think most people feel that way. The the most common but, complaints I, mean, I hear is that Snoke and Death Star Three are the yeah. kind of the weak aspects of the movie in terms of not really exciting people. And I agree. But my thing though, like you're like, well, if he's not a Sith and the Sith are gone, then like, you know, what's this, what's why, you know, doesn't make any sense. I think, I think like when I look at that, I think just because the Sith are destroyed, does that mean the dark side stops existing? Like is the dark side gone? Because, the Emperor and Darth Vader both died at the same time? I don't think so. so no, because I, mean, like, I think it's obviously what it's, it's, uh, it's like, I guess, you know, in humans, good or evil. It's, it's just, it's not like, well, there, there has to be necessarily a dark figure. Right. And the Sith was one way of interpreting that or one way They're of. They're just the ones that embraced it. Yeah. F- but I feel like now it's been 35 years and somebody else is going to pop up who's tapping into the dark side, you know? Well, and I've, do they say it was Plagueis that introduced the whole rule of two thing? Or was no, it? I think it's no, Darth no, no, no. That's like somebody. To be yeah, one of I mean, those. so like, like you said, it's an interpretation of it too. It's, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, th- I think that we don't know much about Snoke at all. We we see that he's he's damaged in some way physically, so we know that there's a history there that they're hitting at with his physical appearance. Pumpkin. I'm curious, what is the relationship between Luke and Snoke? Uh, I think that's where it could become interesting to a certain extent. And like, Han and Leia and Snoke. I mean, they talk about him like they know him, or at least they certainly know well, about him. Yeah, that's, yeah. Han was like, no, that's Snoke. Like, you know. Well, and in the novelization, teaching. too, they kind of say, like, Leia knew that Snoke was kind of deceiving Ben, and she wasn't leading that on to Han. So that's, like, part of the reason why he got so pissed off about the whole thing. Hmm. I don't know. No. I don't know, but like, you know, in terms mm. of like uh, Snoke being Plagueis and all that, like many people think, to me, again, you talk about bringing in new things or changing things or adding things that reduce the power of what's already there. Like if they make an Obi-Wan movie and it, and it kind of takes away from, to a certain extent, it makes, it, it impacts the way I view Obi-Wan from before, whatever, et cetera. Like to me, if Plagueis has been hanging around this whole time and Plagueis was always there in the background, then the Emperor all of a sudden wasn't the top dog like you thought. He, I mean, he wasn't the supreme dark side user. He wasn't. Well, it just makes him, like, when he tells that story, he's like, I killed Plagueis in his sleep because I was smarter than him. I outsmarted him. I took his power years and I was ago in charge. From yeah, episode seven. To find out, like, oh, no, Plagueis, like, totally was ahead of the emperor the whole time and he stayed alive and now he's back like it just makes the emperor like i want him to be someone i want snoke to be someone new someone who maybe was alive when the emperor was alive but was not you know the emperor was the supreme evil authority in the original trilogy and if snoke is really Plagueis and he's the one who taught the emperor everything the emperor knew etc then all of a sudden the emperor doesn't look so tough anymore you know Okay, that's. So I, I mean, want him to be new. No, great. I'm fine as he's not Plagueis. I don't care. I just don't. I don't get. I don't get his 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 being in general. I think I w- I would be totally fine with Kylo Ren just being dark because he found the dark side of the Force that was maybe calling him or maybe he just was just astray and didn't 
he was just whatever. I would be totally fine not having him not have a master. I agree with that too. I agree with that too, except for Han. Han has that line where he's like, Snoke is using you for your power and then he's going to throw you away. And I think that that's going to contribute to the depth of Kylo Ren's character and Kylo Ren's conflict that there's a puppet master pulling his strings. I think that's going to make Kylo Ren more interesting. Yeah, but that's the same story as Vader where Emperor is using for your power and there he goes. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's not new. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose that's true. But then you think about the nature of evil and selfishness and darkness and all that. And it's like, how would that not be the case, you know? But yeah, I don't know. That's that's a fair point. They got a lot of explaining to do with Snoke. <laughs> yeah, I think he's certainly one of the more intriguing aspects just because we really don't know what to expect. Like a lot of people keep pushing the whole Plagueis thing. But like, I think part of the reason that's they're pushing it so hard is like it's one of the only things that seems in the realm of possibility okay. that, that we have Connecting. an idea about, you know. But, I mean, Andy Serkis went and said before, you know, it's a completely new character and all that, which uh, they could just be telling him that, too. We don't know what the story team has in mind. Yeah, or it could be, it could be, you know, maybe they really want to pay tribute to the master, George Lucas, and they're making it up as they go. You know, maybe they don't know who Plagueis is yet, because I have a feeling, well, no, I don't have a feeling. I know that with the original trilogy that, you know, I don't, you didn't know that Vader was Luke's father when he made it. Star Wars in 1977. He definitely didn't know Luke uh, and Vader were brother and sister. I don't know about that. You don't think that he knew that, that, that Vader was going to be Luke's father in 77? The, considering that with the shooting script, like, well, I guess maybe he did. No, but the original I, I think plan, there's definitely precedent that he, that he did. The force is strong on this one. Okay, well, there's definitely precedent, too, that the original plan was to kill Vader at the end of that movie. Vader was supposed no, to die. No. Yes, that was the original plan, even in the script. <laughs> the original plan was not to blow up the Death Star. No, Vader was going to so die. why would he die? Vader was going to die. That was the end. That was supposed to be the end all, but he had to condense it into one to make a movie to, to make money for his rest well, of the well, story. Yeah, well, what you're talking about is years before they start making the movie. I'm talking about, like, we're, we are in production. We're making this movie, and Darth Vader's going to die. That was the original plan. I think that he's read the making he, of Star Wars. He's shifting around different elements. I think that, I think that Vader being the father is definitely something that was, you know, part part of the plan at at, at various stages of development before seventy seven. Yeah. Well, Luke and Leia being brother and sister, though, no way. He also didn't want to kill Obi Wan in the in the beginning. Well, things change, sure, but what I'm saying is that like. I think a lot of these things come together as the movies are being made. And is Snoke something that's going to come together? Like, is did they leave Snoke purposely a little bit of a blank slate so that, you know, the people making episode eight and nine could fill that in? Or did the story group really have Snoke nailed down? I don't know. I mean, you read that art of art of the force awakens and they didn't know if he was male or female until a certain point into it. You know, like I think that, as a movie is being made, these things are being developed and worked on and ideas, you know, you don't, you, you, you don't, uh, start pre-production and say, okay, now all of our ideas are locked down. They're cemented. We know exactly what everything is six years before the final movie's being, you know what I mean? I, I think these things are, I would hope they have sure. Snoke fleshed out before they made it and not just introduce, well, we got to have a, a, a Lord that's over, Kylo Ren, so let's just have this guy in the. We'll call him this, and then we'll write his backstory later. They, I hope to God, they had that guy fleshed out. 
Really? I don't. I, I don't really care if they did or not, as long as it's compelling. Eventually. Well, that's. But well, and it seems like it must be because JJ is talking about how he's you know regrets not directing episode eight because the script is so good. I doubt it's because of Snoke. Yeah, you might get five more minutes of Snoke in episode eight too. You know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah, he, he could he could not show up. I hope his he poetry doesn't. guys. He, he well, could not show up again until the third movie. Very much. <clears throat> that's true. But in that way, if 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 we're following that train of thought, he wouldn't even have been in this movie because the Emperor's true. not in A New Hope at all. Um. You know, one more thing I was thinking about today when I watched the movie again, and I thought about this a couple times when I was watching The Force Awakens. I wonder, what does Snoke mean when he says to Hux, bring Kylo Ren to me, it's time to complete his training? Is that like, well, he's finally proven himself because he killed his own father, so now I'm ready to teach him the last few things I need to teach him? He's in a pinch. I got a sense. I got a sense. He he's finally shedded the light within him. Now I can really train him instead of just show him a few things. Well, and I kind of was wondering if there's a parallel between him saying that and Yoda saying to Luke, you know, all right, you got to go finish your training. You got to kill your father. So like, is there is there some sort of parallel there? I was trying to trying to see if they're doing a play off of that. Mm-hmm. Although in that case, the training would be complete because he did kill his own father, you know? Right, I mean, unless he's saying, go kill Luke, go kill Leia, something, I I don't know. Or kill your sister. No, because he doesn't have a sister. No. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he has shed the light, though. Um, Like, after he kills Han, I don't know, man. in, In that fight with Rey, even, I don't get... I know. I mean, I know that Snoke told him, like, bring Ray to me, but I don't get like a bloodlust, like a sense that he's like really just pure evil and hate in that final fight and just wants to destroy, you know, like. At that not- moment, he really kind of strikes me like Anakin does in episode three, where he's like, come with me. We can, we can do this. We can rule the galaxy ourselves when he's talking to Padme, you know? Yeah. Because he says, you need a teacher, you know? Like I think part of that is his ego saying, "This is somebody I can use, and we can well, we can do this the way I want." Because he's he's he feels he wants her because he knows that she's more powerful than him. And that's what I guess what Snoke is doing with him is like, "Wow, you're more powerful. Yeah, but, you use your powers." Yeah, but I, I yeah, and like after Han dies, I f- I feel like Kylo Ren looks confused. I think he looks confused. I think he looks. Like he's searching, like, where's that feeling of satisfaction I thought I was going to have because I finally did this thing that I didn't know if I was strong enough right, to like do. Right, like logically, I think I had to do did this, he? but now that I did Did he it, what? Did, did Kylo have that look of satisfaction? No, he didn't. That's what I'm saying. He I think still he, looks like a He looks confused. He looks scared. Slate of, I don't know. Well, I think he looks confused and scared and lonely, and I don't, like, it, I don't think it gave him... I don't think it, it totally blocked out the light. If anything, it didn't give him the closure he was expecting. No, I wouldn't be surprised if he's even less, you know, like who knows going into episode I eight. Can't. Well, and it didn't give him the power that, that is described about the dark side from, from Vader and, and the Emperor. I mean, necessarily when we think about his fight with Rey, it didn't look like somebody who had fully embraced the dark side and accepted the... the the power oh, that yeah, it comes he with didn't it. Didn't do anything better. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean, he it, should have been more angry. Or, I mean, I think yeah, Ray had more, almost not anger, but she, the way she struck when she realized she could use the force was more like powerful. Then, then Ky- Kylo was just like kind of going through the motions. Well, and, then well, again, though, Kylo wasn't supposed to kill Ray. 
right? Snoke wanted her alive. So he he was, I mean, he was, he was navigating a a, a complex scenario there. I can't see Kylo turning good and me liking him. (laughs) No. You know what I mean? Like if the story goes to, uh, you know, episode nine and like Kylo's like, oh, you're right. I want to be a good guy. No, I can't see that. I think I want you dead either way. I think best case scenario for him is he's a tragic figure who makes some kind of sacrifice in, in the end, which is kind of what Darth Vader did. So you don't want to rehash it too much, but. (laughs) <laughs> but I no, I don't know though. What I'm saying is like I think that that guy is conflict. That's what he is. He is conflict. He's not pure evil. He's not. He's definitely not good. You know. But I think that that's somebody who's trying to convince himself all the time of how evil and dark he is. And I don't know if he's really there. I so mean, we are see they him gonna play that. Then I mean, that's that's the perfect character to do a coin flip on. But I don't see him as an actor really playing that good guy where I'm genuinely good. I can't believe I did this. Well, I don't think you I don't think you start this trilogy out with him murdering Han Solo, one of the most beloved characters of all time. And then if your like, intention is to have the I, audience, yeah. That'd be pretty good acting and writing and uh, there's been done before. Sure, but I think like I think what's interesting about Kylo Ren is that conflict and they'll probably continue to explore that conflict. Is my point, you know. I also don't think it's that interesting if he kills his own father in episode seven and then just becomes the embodiment of evil and he's just like a purely bad dude for the next two movies. You know what I mean? Like one of the reasons we like Kylo Ren and respond to him so well is because of that conflict. It's interesting. It's complicated, right? You don't want to create a complicated character in episode seven so that he can be uncomplicated in episode eight and nine, right? So I think we're going to still continue to see that conflict in him. And I'm just saying, like, he I think he thought he could he could, you know, put an end to that conflict by killing his dad. And I don't think it worked for him. That's my point. And sometimes I feel like he's looking at Ray almost like in awe of her or like he's impressed with her or like he he. Yeah, like he he has fond feelings for her as much as he has feelings of hate for her. You know what I mean? Um I don't know. I don't think... Yeah, he just doesn't strike me as, as being so evil there. He strikes me as being confused and... And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. So... But the good news is we have a year and a half to continue to speculate and try to figure it out before we get some more answers about Kylo Ren, I suppose. All right, Star Wars. That was fun. Uh, this has been the Blockade Runner. Check us out on blockaderunnerpodcast.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Blockade Run. And you should totally go to our YouTube site, which you can find linked from the blog. Um, it's a Blockade Runner. Blockade Runner.